0: Right, all right. Welcome to the next episode of the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. Looking forward to bringing you guys some power this next hour. Um, A lot of great content uh, from my good friend of mine. This is a guy that uh, I've known here for a little bit, and uh, man, he just excels at at, at business. Excels at life. um, Spends a lot of time um, helping other people around him do the same. And uh, I've got a a great opportunity to, to hang out with him. uh, last month down in St. Thomas and we talked a little bit about business and life and legacy and all these kind of beautiful things. So um, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Matt Larson to the show today. Matt,
1: welcome. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. I, I uh, look forward to it. Yeah,
0: absolutely, brother. I look forward to it, uh, to, to having some fun, talking life and talking business and, you know, uh, you know, figuring out uh, this next step so we can help out these the, the, the listeners here um, with uh, what they have going on. So, so Matt, you have, um, you have an amazing uh, – I know you have an amazing background. I know you have some – Some we like to focus a lot on the wild uh... – you know, diversity and stories, right? Like what got you here, kind of the challenges and, you know, all that type of stuff. Because I think a a lot of listeners, um, you know, they can relate. Either they've been through those challenges or they haven't had the opportunity to experience them yet. And and they're fighting for, you know, quote unquote success, whatever that means to them. Um, So I think sometimes listening to those stories about how we got here, and then we could focus a little bit about where we're heading. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what got you to this point today and maybe a little bit about what you got going on?
1: Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I've been in real estate now for 14 years. And prior to that, I, you know, I went to, I went to high school, small town in Illinois, Uh, went to a small high school. There was 81 kids in my graduating class. And, you know, I'm proud of where I'm I'm from, but you know, a lot of times with these small towns, there's not a lot of big thinkers. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in just a farming community. And uh, basically most of the people that grew up there, They get out of high school, they either, you know, go to college and move away or they stick around town and, and just work. And so, um, you know, I went to college, I tried college for one semester. I was, I was really big into football in high school and so got into college and wanted to play football, didn't want to go to college. So (laughs) after one semester, uh, literally they told me, Hey, my grade point average was so low. They said, you can't come back. Oh, man. So I was over the whole football college thing anyway. And, uh, so I go back home and my dad, you know, I'm 19 years old now at this point. My dad's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, well, there's a machine shop in town. He goes, go fill out an application and get to work, start working. You're not sitting around, you know, doing nothing. So I, uh, I did that and I was in, I, I worked in a machine shop through, you know, early 30, you know, right around 30 years old. <clears throat> so from 19 to 30, I, you know, went to work in the dark, usually in the morning at 6am, got done at the dark. We we worked mandatory 12 hour shifts. I stood on hard concrete all day. And, uh, you know, that was kind of my life. And I never really, I never understood an opportunity to make money. I didn't yeah. know that um, somebody could start a business and make money. It just never crossed my mind. Nobody I knew talked about that type of thing. And you know, you get, you just get a job. So I, I was dating this girl. I'd been with this girl for about four years. And, uh, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, thing happened. And she came to me one day and says, Hey, I want to break up. She's like, I, I want to date somebody with status or mm. date somebody that makes money. Mm. And at that point, that was the first time in my life that I, started thinking about money. Like, why, how do you make money? And all of a sudden I'm thinking, I got to, I don't know how to make money, but I was looking around for some way to make money. And I just knew that, um, I had to kind of just figure it out. So I was up late one night and literally stressed out and, uh, an infomercial comes on TV and, uh, it was how to make money with real estate. You know, it was a 35, $36 book. And I bought that book, read it. And I was so convinced after reading this book that I could do real estate. There wasn't, I was naive enough to think that I could do it. Mm. I had, at that point I lived in a very small apartment. I paid $275 a month for rent. Um, I'd never bought a house for myself and neither had my parents. Mm. Uh, My parents grew up saying, don't ever buy a house. You'll never you'll never live to pay it off. Always wow. rent because if something breaks, you can uh, you know you somebody else has to has to fix it. Wow. So so all of a sudden, I um, I need to make money. I I read this real estate book, and at that time I had about seven hundred bucks in my bank account, my life savings, but I had about twenty thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. Mm. It was an amount that was not. I had no plan to pay it off. It was impossible. So, but I now had this real estate information, and I started doing everything that it said to do. And within about three years' time, I had built up a portfolio of rental properties that was paying me about five thousand dollars a month in net cash flow every month. And I left my job, and uh, from that, that was now where you know from that point, it was two thousand five when I got the book. 2008 I left my job and went full-time into real estate.
0: Man I love that there's so many so many good takeaways in there I want to kind of dissect that for for a second before we kind of move forward right so you know first of all a lot of our listeners are in that kind of same spot right where they feel like it's either their environment that's holding them back the opportunity out there doesn't belong to them or you know a lot of times and this this happens more frequently than a lot of us think it's our own closest friends, family parents it's our environment that we grew up in and and the people around us saying, You can't do that don't don't do this thing, go get a job at a machine shop and they they yep. mean it from a place right. of love right mm-hmm. like they're not like your dad didn't purposely say i'm going to have a I'm going to have a kid that works in a machine shop, and that's going to be his life, and I'm right he did that because he thought that was the best thing for you, right? Yep. So sometimes to be able to crack that mold and decide like enough is enough, I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to be like everybody around me. That, that, that alone, you know, I mean, that's, it's not hereditary, man. I mean, we have to learn those things and, and we have to take those risks on ourselves, right? So it's, it's interesting. Yeah,
1: for sure. You know, one of the th- you know, and it's tough. That's a tough transition. Yeah. You're, you're not overcoming financial uh, disadvantages only. You're, you're overcoming mental disadvantages mm-hmm. for your entire life. Since you're a little kid, you've grown up with that mindset. And i you know, when we were, when we were young, we, we, I grew up in a poor family and when we were young, I, we would, my dad, for, for our entertainment, we didn't, we didn't go to restaurants, we didn't eat out, we didn't go to fair, you know, we just didn't spend money cause there wasn't any money to spend. So one of my routines for my growing up was every Sunday, We'd all hop in the car and we'd drive. My parents would drive us around and we'd look at houses, look at stuff, you know, drive by stuff. And I'll never forget, I would always ask my dad, we would drive into a nice neighborhood with $200,000 houses. Imagine this. Yeah. These $200,000 houses, which isn't, you know, super nice. But to us, to me, it was very nice. Yeah. And I remember I'd always ask my dad, dad, how, how that house is so nice. How, how did they pay for that? Hmm. And he'd always give me the same response, Matt. they, they inherited the money. Wow. That was, there was, there was never any talk of, well, you know, they started a business, took risks, saved up. that, that didn't exist in my dad's mind. So hmm. he couldn't share that with me. Yeah. So yes, I mean, so for me, um, I remember before I bought the book and started really diving into real estate, one of my friends came over to my apartment one day and he's like, Hey, I'm going to buy a house to live in. I was probably 27 or eight at this time. Mm. And he's like, I'm going to buy this house to live in. And I sat him down, got out a piece of paper and mathematically showed him why that was the worst mistake he would ever make. Because I grew up, my my dad never buy a house, always rent. Something Mm. breaks, somebody else fixes it. So that was, so it was a one eighty when I decided to, you know, start buying real estate and flipping houses and trying to make money. It was a, not only 180 for myself, but it was a 180 for all my family as well to see all that happening. But I, the, the pain of staying the same really outgrew the, uh, where I wanted to go. So it was, it was a, it was an, That right there is a quotable
0: moment, right? Like, so folks, you got to pay attention to this. If the pain outweighs your need to move forward, right? Like, like sometimes we get stuck in this box where it's like, you know, we're just going to suffer, you know, maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. My family never did it. Like, like that is, that's all self-inflicted wounds, man. That's all pain that we're causing ourselves. And eventually when when that, you know straw hits the camel's back that last one where you're like i'm tired of telling myself this that pain has to be higher that threshold has to be higher than your need and want to do it right you have to and, and then all of a sudden boom it's like it, it's a spark right so so you have the book um mm-hmm. you, you read the real estate book what what helped you take action if you can remember this this first piece right you read the book what was that first couple steps because again a lot of people they want to do something different they want to start a side hustle they 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 have well meanings that, you know to do things but then they wake up 10 years later and they're still in that stagnant place right so what was that first action
1: i think i think really what it was was i i was i was almost to the point where it was a an obsession with i want to prove my girlfriend wrong yeah and i knew there was risks and i knew hey what if I mess this thing up and what if I lose money? Okay. Well, how much worse of a situation could I be in if that happened? So I think that's really what it was. It was for one, I was naive enough to believe everything that was written. Now, keep in mind I'd never read in my entire life at this point, I'm 30 years old. I had never read a self-help book. I didn't even know a self-help section in a Mm -hmm. library or a bookstore even existed. So for me, there wasn't anything to compare it against. I just, okay, here's a book there's a guy on TV. He's got flashy cars. He looks young. I should just go ahead. And if he says I can do it, why would I not believe him? Mm. So I, I, I just, the being naive was it was a major advantage. Yes. And and so I got started with just enough information to know, okay, I got to take this step next. Okay. Now I got to take this step. Okay. Now I got to take this step. And I took it one step at a time.
0: Love that. Being naive was its own advantage. That was so, that was so powerful. Look, I mean, how many people come to us for advice, say, how do I do it? And, and you tell them, and then they, they want to analyze more. They want to dive deeper, oh my they want gosh. To watch more videos. They want, guys, if you're listening to this, that, naive, that, that is it naivete, what's the word there? Like yeah. being naive, right, has its advantages in that you might not know the risks, but you, you're smart enough to calculate them, right? Mm-hmm. You know what the opportunity is versus what the risk might be. And when you finally get to that threshold, it's actually better if you don't know everything going forward, right? Don't get me wrong. wrong. It's good to have a mentor. It's good to have someone who's done it before to tell you, you know, these are the things that can help speed up the process or help you jump across that bridge faster or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's that ability to not know everything. If you knew the types of risks that Matt and I took on a given day, you would never leave your nine to five, right? No. So, so like, <clears throat> I think that that, that uh,
1: that's a super powerful thing that you do. That you, that you, you don't, use. And here's the other thing is, you know, the, the internet has been an amazing tool, right? All of us can run our entire businesses because of the internet from wherever we want. Mm-hmm. And so the internet's amazing. Now I will say at the same breath, it's also everybody's worst enemy totally. because you could, Joe, you could give somebody, uh, somebody that you're mentoring or somebody that is listening to your podcast or your mastermind or whatever it is, you could give them an exact next step. Hey, I want you to do this next they'll go in on and do research and find three reasons why maybe they should try something different or nothing at all. Hmm. And so now you're now not only helping them unlearn the three things that they learned that is stopping them. You're trying to convince them just to take that first step. So I, I guess the other, the other piece of it is in two, I started in 2005. I wasn't an internet guy I didn't do a lot of research on the internet, YouTube. I don't even know if it existed yet at that point. Um, I just did, the book said to do this. This is what I did next. Yeah. Too many people nowadays are too smart for their own good. Mm. You give them some information. They stop themselves by doing research and like, okay, now, you know, Matt just, or Joe just told me to do this, but I just found something else I should probably try.
0: Yeah. It's that blind faith, right? It's like, it's yeah. like finding the opportunity and knowing that someone has gotten to that level that you want to get to. And, you know, I, I did this when we first, uh, you know, we're, Matt and I are in the same mastermind for a lot of people, um, that are listening here and didn't, you know, don't know that. And I talk about the mastermind stuff a lot. And, uh, my mentor, our mentor, you know, I've been with him for six, seven years now. And, and the first couple of years he would say, you should do this. And then we, I'd get on the phone with him a week later, like, did you do it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then six weeks later, yeah, did you do it? No, yeah. I'm gonna do it. And then six months later, I would do it and go, damn, that worked. Why didn't I, did I do it the day he did Now it's like he yeah. can tell me to jump off a bridge and I'm jumping, pointing in the right direction, right? Like, I think sometimes it takes some time to matriculate, but at the end of the day, you got to find people who have blazed the trail before and then emulate yeah. anyway, You know, they've already created the art. All you got to do is replicate the art and go after yeah. it.
1: The speed, they have all the speed. I mean, you, you're basically, when you tap into what they know, you're tapping into a super highway. You like, you don't have to, you don't have to stop at every stop sign and look around. You're just going, you're right there. And that, that's another thing too, is, is, um, you know, I, I think everybody has something they're good at. Every single human being has a unique ability that makes them special. Something that they, they're good at. And mine happened to be when, when somebody tells me to do something, I do it. If yeah. I, if I have a mentor in my life, and they say, Matt, go do this. I do it. And I typically don't wait around. I take action pretty fast. And maybe that, you know, I, I, I in high school, I had a, I graduated with a 2.55 GPA. I didn't do, I barely even like on my, when I took the ACT test for college, I got a 19 on my ACT, which is basically just a couple of points above just getting your name right. Mm. And so I've never been gifted with a ton of, you know, massive brain power, but I've been disciplined enough to when I mentor steps into my life, I, and they say to do something, I do it. So that's a big thing that I, a lot of people could be further along. I mean, I'm sure Joe, you've probably helped just, you know, so many people throughout your years become very, very successful. There's probably a few people out there that you're, you're frustrated with because I know it's this way with me, I've helped them and helped them they've asked me questions. go do this, and they just never do the work yeah. because they get in their own way and they're just they have a better idea
0: a hundred percent i mean you' got to take the advice that's given again from the from the people that that you that you're emulating i and I know you've given and taken tons of advice uh you know in the last decade plus uh, matt what do you, what do you what do you think is some of the worst advice you've heard because you hear, you hear these gurus now talking about, you know, there's 22 year olds that are out there, they're preaching and teaching. There's nothing wrong with that if they're massively successful, but the, the fact is both, most of them aren't right? right. And so what's some of the bad advice that you hear given in your industry right now that you're maybe, maybe the gurus, maybe somebody you saw on social or something like that.
1: Well, <clears throat> first of all um, you know, one of the worst things that's, that's tripping people up right now is they fall into the, Hey, I am going to, I'm going to make all this money really, really fast. And then I'm going to go out and buy really expensive cars and dinners and vacations and all this. And, you know, there might be a few special people out there that that's worked amazing for, but for the average person getting started, you know, you go out there and do real estate and make money, take that money and reinvest it back into your company, mainly marketing. So yes, of course you should treat yourself to, you know, take 20% of it or something or 30% of it and, you know, buy something nice, something that motivates you, something that rewards you for your hard work. But then take the, take the majority of that money, put some of it in a savings account, build up your liquidity and take a big piece of it and dump it right back into better systems, marketing, stuff that's going to help you do more deals. People starve their, they starve their business and then they wonder why they don't have any lead flow. And the reason that that happens, I feel like is a lot of these new investors are kind of steering people like, Hey, go out and do a deal. Take that money. Go, go get bottle service, go get, mm-hmm. you know, a brand new sports car, go get, you know, it's like, that's one of the biggest mistakes I see.
0: I, I, and here's I, the, I, and
1: here's, and here's the thing, Joe, and I know, you know, this cause we've been around a while. Those young kids that are, that are running that lifestyle have never experienced a downturn. They got into real estate in 2012, 2013. We've been through the downturn. We see what happens. And, you know, people get wiped out if they don't have a lot of liquidity and they have high amounts of debt and things go bad. You know, you you can save yourself by having that liquidity. And, the, and these young kids that are now the, you know, real estate gurus, they've never had to experience that. They don't know how scary that can be. Obviously, you and I both know that that's the best times. If you know, if you have the right knowledge, you can make more money in a downturn, by far, than you can in an upswing.
0: I mean, you almost. But- can- can't make a mistake in today's market, which is which is part yeah. of what you're what you're talking to, right? It's it's so mm-hmm. it's so easy to go out and do some of the things that are preached, and the and the ones that are super young and super successful at it, you know, they're having a, they're going to have a hard time when when stuff does get tight, when stuff does turn, yeah. When the market starts to turn, money's harder to get, bank refinance is harder to get. Like, you know, they take that for granted right now that you can just mm-hmm. call a bank and refinance in ten days. Like it's this stuff doesn't happen, you know, in, right. in a tightening uh, yeah. mode. And and to talk to the to the car thing for a second, it's really interesting, man. I've been watching this play out over the last decade plus doing this. It's like, you know, the the guys that are out there selling on the Lamborghini and the Ferrari, right? It's like, I I don't know what the percentage is, but it's pretty damn high that they're that Mm -hmm. afford that vehicle, right? And it's like the guys that are, are super successful, like we know, there's a few of them that do have the Lambos and the Ferraris and stuff like that. It's like we we have a guy that's we're friends with and he had to convince himself yep. to buy that car in the last six or eight months. Right. Because yep. he finally leveled, he reached a level of success and he'd done all the reinvestment back in the business to all the growth, all the ups, all the downs, perfected his craft, made tons of cash reserves. It was at the level where he could have paid cash for the car and he, and he like self, you know, um, Self-limiting belief is like I don't, I shouldn't drive that car. I don't deserve yep. that car yet, right? Like the real yep. action takers and the motivators and the money makers out there in the world, you know, generally aren't taking pictures in front of their Lambo, right? Unless they've right. Been for a long time. So <laughs> I think it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting dichotomy of what happens in advertising and and, and social media space today. It's a, uh, you know, we just talked about it yesterday. I did a post a couple months ago where I said. You know, if I was going to buy a car, which one would it be? And I put like an R8 and a Ferrari and a, you know, something. <laughs> I don't know what it blew was. It blew up, man. right? It blew up, man. Like, you know, a hundred comments. But then I turn around and give, you know, some, some articulate business advice about how to grow your team or be successful hiring and firing. And it's crickets, right? So, yep. you know, we definitely yep.
1: focus on the wrong things. Um, I think as a society, it's, it's, it's tough. But, you, may you know, I will say this. I will say this, though. Um, these young kids that uh, I call them kids, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old. I did my very first real estate deal at 30 years old. Um, But these young kids, I will say this, they have taught, they probably, I know I can't speak for you, but I can tell you that a few of them have have taught, these young kids have taught me some things on the technology side because they get up every day and they think, how do, what can I do from my couch where I don't have to get off the couch? What can I utilize to, make this whole thing easier and there have been some great tools built in the last decade that, you know, we use every single day by young, you know, that were created by young kids that have created advantages. I'm not a, I am not a software guy, but I have a, I have a guy that's on my team. He's 20 years old. He is, and he grabs all of this cool technology. We beat it up, test it and see Mm -hmm. if it's something that we want to use. And obviously nine out of 10 times it's junk. Uh, but the one out of ten can save you a lot of time and money, so that that is one thing I will say that you can pull from some of these young kids that have got into it, you know,
0: oh, dude, hundred percent. And listen, I'm not beating up the, uh, the, the millennials or anybody younger or anything like that. I'm, I'm just talking about culture in general. And when I, when I talk about that advertising play um, there's just some amazing younger guys. I mean, I'm oh, feeling, yeah, definitely. and I, I'm feeling pretty old myself, but you know um, we have, a, we have an amazing group of young guys that are, especially in the media business and the, and, you know, and the real estate lead gen stuff is, you know, again, they're, they're super, super effective and efficient. So, go. all right. So we got to, you know, we're, we're, we're halfway in here and we haven't even gotten to what you do now. Right. So, so, you know, you've gotten past that point, took action 14 years in the real estate business. you have be, you've built a just, just mammoth business and, and culture and systems and processes. So, I mean, maybe, maybe take a minute or two, just kind of walk the audience through, you know, what your day to day looks like. right?
1: Yeah. Now. Okay. So, you know, let's, we'll just back up for just a minute. So, yeah. you know, I went, I went um, full time into real estate in 2008. We were given a gift in 2008 when the market crashed. Mm -hmm. I went into, this is a kind of cool deal. So I went into 2008 with about $5,000 a month in monthly cash flow for my rentals. That's after all expenses are paid. And I had about $20,000 in cash, not a lot, $20,000 in cash saved up. By 2013, I had well over seven figures liquid cash in my Mm -hmm. account and 450 rental properties that I owned. So that, I I did a lot of, I I built the company very, very quickly in about a five year period and did some pretty amazing things. I look back right now and I I wonder, you know, even how I I did it because uh, it it was unusual. And maybe it's because again, I was naive. I just thought maybe I could pull it off. Mm. So that built a pretty good foundation. So you fast forward now, what do I do? Um, Well, I've got an office staff of about 40, 40 people. We, we typically flip 20 plus houses a month or times when we shoot up past 30. Uh, and I've been doing this for a really long time. So we flip a lot of houses. I do turnkey. We've done some retail. I don't do as much retail anymore. Um, but we wholesale properties. I do apartment buildings. Um, typically, you know, 40 units and less most of the time. Um, working on getting into some bigger apartment deals. But um, we do, we've done about everything. I have uh, my own property management company now. Uh, we've got a, I, I created a few years ago, uh, 2017, I had this idea of bringing, I was, you know, going to Lowe's, buying my materials for my rehabs, and I was paying about the same price for materials as the average guy walking in off the street that was just remodeling his own kitchen. Yeah. you know, once every 10 years, I'm, I'm basically buying materials for the same price. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to the store manager and, uh, I, uh, talked and I was in there all the time. And, and so they knew me really well. And, um, I went to the store manager and just said, Hey, uh, well, first of all, it was 2016 had just finished. It was early 2017 in January. And he goes, Matt, you've, you've had, you had a really good last year. And, uh, he said you spent $2.2 million here in my store. Mm. So I, um, so I went to him and said, Hey, so how much, what kind of volume does your store do? Well, we do about 22 million a year. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I was 10% of his business in that one low store. Yeah. So I went to, uh, him and I said, Hey, can we sit down and like maybe discuss pricing? I mean, I'm 10% of your your sales, maybe, you know, I have to get a better deal. And he goes, no, Matt, that's not needed we give you the best price every single day. It's our everyday lowest price. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, wait a minute here. So I went back to my team and uh, I was kind of irritated. You know, I'm, I'm working off a volume. I do a lot of houses and I went back to my team and said, Hey, I got an idea. What, what if we, in case I'm crazy, what if we leased a small warehouse, built some shelves, took our $2.2 million in spend and pushed it out to all these different vendors and had everybody bid it and just say, Hey, we'll buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of materials right out of the gate. If you can give us a better deal. And so I took a girl that was working in my bookkeeping. I rented this 3,500 square foot building uh, in Davenport and I got a carpenter, one of our carpenters and said, just go build some shelves by out of two by fours and plywood. So we built up some shelves, took her, had she started bidding out the whole thing and uh, the next thing we know, I get her started. I leave, and I'm off to do my own thing again. So anyway, I um, I come back a week, like a month later. She had bid all the products. She was bringing products in, and she's like, "I said, is it working? What What are you seeing?" And she said, "Matt, we're saving forty thousand dollars a month right now. Wow. We're we're getting products anywhere, you know, up to forty percent off of what we were paying." Sure. So I'm like, but, but she's like, we don't have any more room. Like, it, like we're busting at the seams. There's no room left. I I've only brought 400 SKUs in and we have, you know, we use 2400 SKUs, and, um, so it's 2400 different products. So I'm like, she's like, we need more room. So I'm thinking, okay, this is working. I'm, I'm, I'm renting a place for 1300 a month. It was a one year lease. I, I, I literally walked away from the building, paid out my lease. We bought another building down the street, literally within a few blocks 18,000 square feet. So what I did was really made it big. I mean, so we bring in, we bring in, you know, 2,400 SKUs. We've got a mini Lowe's built. We built our own online store, our own barcoding system. Everything coordinates through Podio. Mm -hmm. So everything runs through Podio, QuickBooks, and our online store. And it's a very unique system that we built from zero. Mm. Uh, And uh, it saves us, you know, we're probably saving close to a million dollars a year just from that one piece. Mm. And you know, it really, that doesn't really exist around the nation. I've, I didn't know that what I was building was really unique until people started stopping by and seeing it uh, and saying, you know, like I would have vendors come national vendors that have been everywhere come to my warehouse and they're like, I just have never seen anything like this before. <laughs> so it's got a little bit of uh a little bit of fame around, uh, around the area now. But, um, uh, so that was one thing that we did that saved me a lot of money. Um, and part of the cool stuff that we're doing. So it gives us an advantage. So when we, when I go buy a house, I'm buying them. I mean, materials were getting so cheap now that it's almost not even a factor in, in the whole process. Yeah. The other cool thing is by having aware, you know, I did 20 houses a month for years and years and years, But when you would would quote a contractor to bid a project and you would tell them, Hey, you know, make sure you give me a good deal. I'm doing 20 houses a month, you know, and I'll I'll give you a lot of work. They couldn't see the 20 houses a month, so it didn't really register with them. But when they walked into my 18,000 square foot warehouse, Mini Lowe's, all of a sudden they're looking around, they're like, Whoa, okay, this guy's serious. I got to come in here with my best price. So what I didn't see coming was the labor dropping way down as well. Mm. So, you know, we just, we're just very creative. Um, We try to implement technology wherever we can. And, uh, and so our focus, so if you fast forward even further, um, I went from working, you know, probably only a year ago, I was working 80 hours a week. And uh, you know one of the benefits of the masterminds and always learning, I mean, I'm very, very big on paying for speed. Mm. Uh, in 2019, I spent $90,000 just on my own education through masterminds and learning and hiring people and hiring mentors, one day trainings. And so um, I went from 80 hours a week to five. And that's a legit five. I mean, some people talk like, hey, they're not they're, they're running an automated business. Mine's truly is automated. It may not even be five hours. Yeah, It's that low. And so, and that's without a reduction in the number of deals we're doing. We're still, we're still doing the same amount of volume. So, um, so I've really tried to refine my lifestyle where I can, I can have my time. Uh, you know, I stop at the, I was at my office last week for the first time in six weeks. I was at my office before that six weeks prior to that. Um, so I, I built a, a a really good company and system around some a good group of people, and utilized technology to keep an eye on everything, and um, and really been able to enjoy doing the things I like to. That doesn't mean I'm sitting at home sitting on the couch doing nothing. I started an education company. And so we've been we've been working on a lot of educational products and stuff like that, and uh, gives me just gives me time to do the things I want.
0: It's incredible, man. There's so many takeaways of what you just said there, right? So like, so like first one that hits me is you know you go and you start it basically uh, essentially like a, like an, an ancillary company to your existing flip company, right? You're doing big volume. Where could I create an opportunity? All right, I'm gonna go buy my own materials. Now we have basically a different company feeding that company materials. So, so guys listening like you know, they always say that, uh, you know, the richest, wealthiest people in the world have seven forms of income. And some people are like, immediately people think like, how do I, how do I have seven jobs? I can't have seven jobs, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, it's not that you're working seven different things. It's that you're creating multiplication within your own organization, right? So now you got a materials company feeding the flip company feeding the, you know, the rehabs and all that type of thing. And then the maintenance. And so, so being able to just really go super deep and focus on being the best you can be in your industry. I think, first of all, I think it's lacking in today's today's culture, right? Cause so many business owners, so many shiny objects, there's so many things we could be doing and how do we, yeah. how do we get, you know, focused. Um, and, and I want to ask you like, what is, what, are, what is something that you've gotten really good at saying no to over the last three to five years? Right. Cause you've obviously gotten drilled, super focused, laser focused on this industry. I mean, you've probably had, Dozens of opportunities a week presented to you over the last decade or so. So what are you really good at when, when it comes? Well,
1: to- so I say no to anything. First of all, if, if somebody comes to me with a business idea uh, of any sort, doesn't matter if it's real estate based or anything. If they come to me with an idea that I, I can't make a million dollars a year on that idea, I, I just say no. I turn it yeah. down. We, we all have a bookshelf and that bookshelf's full you know, you, if you go out and walk the streets and start walking up to people and say, Hey, how much free time do you have in your day? Not a single person will say, Oh, I just, I'm just sitting around just doing nothing. Yeah. Everybody's busy. Right. Yeah. So my bookshelf's full in order for me to take a book off the shelf and put a new one on, it has to be a million dollar idea Love it. Uh, or an opportunity. So the other thing I said no to is I said no to, for my team, uh, I said no to answering their own questions.
0: Mm. And I
1: said yes to asking them how they would handle it. So for wow. example, God. it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this. I, I use this analogy a lot. Imagine you're going into a new city and you've never been there and what's the first thing you you land at the airport and let's say you're going to be in the city for, for one month. Okay. You go to the airport, you get, you get your rental car. First thing you do is you pull out your phone and you type in the GPS to where you need to get to your hotel you don't pay attention to a single thing you're driving past you you've got your eyes peeled on this path that this phone is telling you now if you stay that in that city for 1 month and you travel every single day around that city and use your phone as your gps you will not learn a single thing about that city you will not know how to get anywhere hmm. fast forward a year same thing if you're using that gps you are doing your you'll never learn the the city so what happened to me in my business is I put away the GPS. I, I'm the GPS. Yeah. So what I told my, when every time my team needed an, a solution, Hey Matt, how do we do this? Hey, we have this problem. How do you solve that? Hey Matt, how do we get here? I said, I said, well, instead of saying, let me jump in there and, and solve the problem or jump in there and solve the email and do the email. I said, well, I, I changed it. I said, well, how would you handle it? Mm-hmm. How would you go about doing it? And all of a sudden they'd say, well, I do this, this, and this. And I said, you know what? I, I come up with the same thing Yeah. and I stopped. And so just like if you put your GPS away and just start driving around and looking around, okay, I need to turn at that building. Okay. That you'll eventually learn it and you won't need the GPS anymore. And the same thing with your business. If you ask, if you stop answering the questions that your team is asking you and instead ask them questions on how they would do it before long, they don't need you anymore. They have it. They have it's, it. It's
0: so true, man. We, have, I have a saying in our office called that that's, it's a it's, uh, great leaders create great leaders. Right. And I want nothing but a team of leaders. I want people, I want thinkers. I want, I want innovation. I want, I want, you know, ways of doing it that I wouldn't even suggest how to do, like, I want ways of doing things more effectively than I would even think of. Right. Mm-hmm. But If we train a group of people to rely on us for everything, you're not going to have any innovation. You're not going to have any time. You're not going to have any bandwidth, right? You're going to get sucked away every time. So there'll be no exit. Exactly. So for me, it would always be, Hey Joe, how do you do this? How would you do it? Right. Same thing you just said, which I think is, you know, it's so I hear that said by so many high level thought leaders and thinkers and, and business owners and operators like, like that is a huge, huge takeaway for, for the owners and operators that are listening to this show today. Just change that one thing. Just think about, When somebody comes to you for advice or for, you know, uh, to help solve a problem, if you solve that problem every time for them, they're never going to learn how to solve it themselves, right?
1: You know, here's the other side benefit to that that is very, very powerful is people never leave your company if they're part of the decision of of the daily how to get from here to there. Yep. If you're the guy barking orders, hey, hey, you got to ask my permission for everything. Okay, Matt, how do we get here? Well, you do this. Okay, Matt, how do we do this? Well, you do this, this, and this. Then they leave. If they're if they're upset one day or the the day they get have a tough day, they got a better job offer, they leave. Yeah. If they if you if they say, hey, Matt, how do we do this? Well, how how would you do it? Well, I would do it like this, this, and this. Well, now that's their idea. Mm-hmm. Now they don't want to they don't want to abandon their idea. They never leave. So I, that's the other big thing. When I stepped away, the company ran better. And the top line management of team became stronger, more powerful, and took the company on as if it was their own. Yeah, I
0: put it like this a lot of times, right? We got to where we are at this level by learning, growing, failing forward, making a little mistake, you know, a little hiccup here and there, you know, taking some risks, taking... So if we did that, right, how do we expect our team to get to a point where they're successful without having all those mm-hmm. same pitfalls, all those same roadblocks, all those same challenges, right? Yep. So the more that we can allow them to experience that, the more bulletproof they're gonna get and the more buy-in to the culture they're gonna have. Yep. But you said something a couple minutes ago, which I think is, I never heard it said this way, so I have to repeat it because I think it's so badass. You said, I say no to any business idea that doesn't generate me a million dollars plus per year. Right, And I think for the listeners, I I don't care if a million sounds like too much, maybe 10 million sounds like too much, maybe a thousand, you know, 20,000, whatever the number sounds like, Mm -hmm. I would love for our listeners just to put that one takeaway in a perspective for you, right? So if you're at a place where a hundred grand a year extra makes a lot of difference, maybe that's your number, right? But Mm -hmm. putting a number around it is so interesting, right? Because you've basically determined my value, is, is I, I can't, I can't put bandwidth. I can't put time. I can't put action into something. It's not going to create seven figures a year for me. So you, you know, and I, I believe you get, you are what you expect, right? You get what you expect. Yeah. So if you sit there and say it's a million dollars a year, you're probably getting a couple million dollar a year ideas
1: every once in a while. Right. Absolutely. And, and you just hit on a good point. It doesn't have to be a million bucks. It can no. be a hundred thousand. Correct. Here, here's the thing is the guy, the guy, there's too many shiny objects. You know, mm-hmm. the guy that's, um, do it that made a lot of money in real estate. Let's say your listeners are five years down the road and they're making just a ton of money. The 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 problem that all of us go through is we'll say, okay, I got this pile of cash over here. What else could I do with this money? Well, what if I got into stocks? Mm -hmm. What if I bought this business? What if I, and all of a sudden you're, you're like, okay, can, can the stocks make me more than if I took that money and put it in the marketing in my real estate? And the answer is always no almost always no, And so that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, the test. Mm. If you, if you have a pile of cash and if you do this right, you'll have a pile of cash. If you took that cash and put it into anything other than your real estate business and it can't produce you what the real estate's producing you. And remember, it's the one that created the pile of cash. Mm. Don't do it. Yeah, Do not waste your time. I, I took. I'll use an example. I this was probably 2014. I had just a mountain of cash, and I just, you know, I was just busy looking at all kinds of different stuff to buy. And I'll never forget. I decided one day I need to be a stock market guy because you know what? I'm this genius in real estate, and I, you know, I bet the stock market's easy. Yeah. So I go to the. I go to Morgan Stanley, the top guys in Morgan Stanley, and I just said, hey. Just pick one stock, one thing that I, I need to buy that I can make a lot of money on. Oh, Matt, you want to buy this stock? It's amazing. It's going up and it's got these amazing dividends. So I put $50,000 into it. And uh, two weeks later, it was $35,000. My 50000 <laughs> turned into 35000 I go back That's to like my mic. You guys are Morgan Stanley. Are you sure that this is the stock to buy? Matt, 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 don't worry about it. Just had a small dip, but the dividends are amazing. So I said, okay, fine. I'll say, keep it there. Two weeks later, it's at, now it's at 25,000. So I went from 50,000 to 25,000 in a month. And I went back to him, are you guys sure? Like you guys have the most powerful tools on the planet. Are you sure that you have one stock to pick? This is it. Yep, yep, yep. Don't worry. It's coming back and it's got amazing dividends. Two weeks after that, the stock dropped even further and it dropped so far that they took the the company took away the dividends. Now I have a stock worth twenty thousand dollars and no dividends. <laughs> I sold it, and I realized at that point that you know what? Even for this, maybe there's people out there making a lot of money in stocks. I personally don't see that, um, and I'm connected to a lot of pretty wealthy people. Mm. Um, but even that to that case, if if the top people in the world that have access to the top software, the, the top analysts. If they can't get that right, there is no way mm-hmm. I'm taking my time that's making me this pile of cash in real estate and diverting my attention into something different. I just yeah. it's not happening.
0: Learn to stay in your lane. Learn to do what you're really, really good at. Yeah. I mean, for years, that my biggest, uh, I'm going to add this million dollar a month uh, or million dollar uh, a year uh, income level. I love that. I would always think of opportunities as how much time and physical effort do I need to put into, right? Because my unique ability is really – consulting on things and, and creating an idea generation and creating problems like like solutions for, for high level problems. Like I know that's what I'm great at, right? So mm-hmm. like if I had to do into a new industry that was going to take up 30 hours a week of my time, right? And I knew it was going to be a lot of manual entry data, mm-hmm. whatever, like yep. I stay away from stuff like that. But I like the, the, the number level you added to it. Um, and I think it's something that's very interesting, again, as a takeaway for the listeners is, Figure out when you guys have these shiny objects. Maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's an additional uh, revenue stream and you're already an owner-operator and you're just looking for a different niche or something like that. Again, setting parameters is just the same as setting goals. I think if you have those right parameters in place, you're going to end up getting a lot more of what you what you think uh, your time is worth, yeah. right?
1: So. Yeah, you know, um, another funny story, just uh, lessons learned so that listeners can learn from my mistakes, but again, probably... 2013 to 15 something in that range, I, again, just had more money than I knew what to do with. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to flip some cars on top of the houses I'm flipping. I, so I go out and I buy a car lot. Yeah. I go out and buy a car lot and I hire a couple of people and I'm like, just go out and buy cars, get them good, get a good price. And I have a car, before long, I got a car lot full of cars and I'm going to flip all these cars with these guys and I'm going to make all this money extra over on top of what I'm making with real estate. It got so bad. I gave the cars away for free. I, <laughs> it was so much work and it was so hard to do and still focus on my business. Eventually I had these cars left and I was giving them away to friends. I'm yeah. like, just take this car. You can have it. Take this. And I just washed, washed my hands of the money and walked away. But again, you, you you've got to stay with the thing that creates the pile of cash that's the thing you should fall in love with.
0: I think we're all action takers and doers at a certain level. And I think a lot of people listening to this are going to say, Oh, well you guys, you know, did a lot of, did a lot of random shit that didn't, that didn't end up panning out or making you money. So what's going to keep me from doing it? And I think that the takeaway here is like, look, I think all of us as, as, um, uh, visionaries with a lot of great ideas constantly you can't stop that you know standing in the shower and coming up with 10 new business ideas like like you're gonna do this stuff that me and matt are talking about it inevitably but the more you can stay trained and focused on what you're great at you know our our mentor talks about this all the time being bored in your business you know like like Mm -hmm. great visionaries man like they get bored fast like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just turn on the, the revenue, you know, uh, faucet, and you just start seeing money pouring. And that's literally boring to you because you don't have any challenges, yeah. right? You don't have any problems to solve. So I, I think you're going to make these mistakes along the way. And, and I think that the, the knowing going into them, that if it's really off the beaten path from what I'm really great at, you know, maybe I should, you know, dabble in this, put my, t- put my toes in, don't buy the whole car lot, maybe flip a few, right? Or, you know, yep. so, so I think that, uh, that's, that's another, it's another great potential takeaway there is like, you're going to make these mistakes. We, we you're yeah. going to have to, that, that, that's how you learn not to. That's how, that's how Matt's learned that he doesn't want to be a car dealer. Right. And I've bought and I've bought and messed up plenty of businesses in the
1: last couple of years, you know, very similar yeah. to that. So, that's you know, it. one thing I have found though, Joe, is if you're going to start a second business or a side hustle, mm. parallel it to what you're already doing. Yes. For, for example. You know, um, I got my, you know, as we already discussed, I got my real estate company to, uh, to the point where I'm working five hours a week and we're flipping 20 plus houses a month. Well, now I have the time. So it just made sense for me to, to start the education side of what I'm doing in real estate. That's a parallel business. Totally. So now I just took the stuff we're already doing and just packaged it up so I can offer it to people to learn the real estate. So Uh, that's where it would make sense. Because it's a parallel business; it's already there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly what I do with the wholesale
0: syndicate, right? I got the wholesale team operating. They're doing. They're effective. They're efficient. I'm really not in the space anymore. But when I do trainings with them, it's exactly parallel to helping train our business partners in the syndicate to help them create that consistent, predictable revenue. Yep. So I love. I love when you're you get dialed into something you're so good at. Now you can start to you can start to put pieces together that that, that assimilate to the same product. And service mm-hmm. and now you're, you know you're still making the same decisions you're still in that same industry you're still an expert at that thing um, but you know again we're not selling real estate and cars and uh, you know whatever else right we're just staying <laughs> right first-
1: exactly.
0: so so Matt I want to respect your time I and mean, we're, we're pulling up here at uh, you know 50 minutes or so um, a couple you know ran you know we usually do some quick questions at the end um, to try to tie it all together Um, first one is, and and these are going to be a little funny, it's a little, a little weird, just, you know, kind of give us your first thoughts, I guess. But uh, one of the questions i love to ask people is if you had 2 million eyeballs on you right now, like if you had a billboard on the side of the road and you could put a message on it, what kind of message would you want to hear? Or would you want heard uh, by an audience of say 2 million today if you had that opportunity?
1: That's a really good question. I would say if there was that message and people were driving by, I would say invest in yourself. Yeah. Invest in yourself. Invest your time in yourself. Invest your money in yourself. Love that. It's the the best return. I've, I mean, real estate. Real estate has not been my best return. My best return has been right here, and I still continue to do that every single year. You know, and I feel if I if I don't, if I went like six months without a mastermind that I was joined, and I was going crazy. Because I felt like I wasn't feeding myself, mm. so that that's my message: invest in yourself.
0: I love that. Our buddy Sean Whalen tricked me up a couple a couple weeks ago. He he said, "What's the what's the greatest real estate you own?" Of course, I'm thinking to myself, out oh, am the apartment building. I fix and right." And then it's like, "No, man, the real estate between your ears." Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty deep, but it's true, right? Like because a lot of us are in the real estate game, and we're always thinking about ROI and cash flow. And look, look, the best the best stuff is going to be when you train your brain to create decision-making processes that are more effective, more efficient. You're making better decisions, bigger decisions, right? Thinking at a level that mm-hmm. you deserve to be at. And I think that's yep. the, uh, yep. the biggest takeaway I get from these masterminds is, uh, you know, just kind of constantly pushing myself to think bigger and act bigger than, 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 than where 100%. I was brought up to be. Right. Cause you know, mm-hmm. my dad was a drywall guy, man. I'm, I'm not you know too much different than, than you. Um, and having that kind of middle-class mindset is tough. It's tough. Yep. So, so Matt, um, we're on the legacy blueprint podcast. We'd love to talk about, you know, building and creating and stuff that's going to, that's going to surpass yourself. What is, what, when I say legacy kind of, what does that, what does that mean to you or what does that, what does that feel to you?
1: You know, to be honest with you, I don't, um, I don't envision myself um, with passing away someday and having, you know, buildings everywhere, tons and tons of real estate. I really envision myself the legacy piece I'd love I'd love to build up to so I'm 44 right now I'll be 45 this year. I would say the legacy piece for me is I hit 65, let's say 60 and I start liquidating the my life's work. you know this is our life's work here what we're building right now. Yeah. I start liquidating and I would have so much fun giving away everything I had built in the second part of my life than I did you know, that I built in the first part, because I love, I love charities. I love giving. I love seeing the, I love hearing the joy. Um, so it, I would love to build it big enough that it would outlive me and that somebody else takes over that charity someday, that charitable arm. I'm not saying create my own charity. I'm saying something that creates the the cash that manages it. Hey, we're going to put money here, 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 and here. Okay. So that's, that's legacy to me.
0: I love that man. You reminded me. I have I sat with a, an eighty-one-year-old man, just going back two or three years ago, and uh, sat there with his entire portfolio. It was probably worth, you know, five or six million. It wasn't a huge portfolio, but he had all these single-family rental properties all over South Jersey. And I said to him, you know, what's your plan? He goes, I "Got no kids. I got no wife. I got no heirs." He goes, "I'm just selling them off one at a time and giving it all away." You know, yep. like, like he was giving away hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to his main carpenter that worked, worked for him. Mm. So he had all these ideas of like things he could do for kids and things. He, he was a veteran. So he was looking into veterans charities and stuff like yep. that, man, what an idealistic uh, world. Um, I, I think it's interesting to be able to create that. So I love that.
1: I love yeah. that answer, man.
0: So, hey, brother, before we go, what did I miss? Anything I missed that you wanted to cover? You got some events coming up, the, the, the teaching, the coaching. What do you want to plug?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I've uh, got an event this weekend in my office in Davenport. Um, we're just teaching scaling. Um, but, uh, you know, if anybody wants to find me um, and follow me on Instagram, they can find me at, at Real Estate Matt. I'm, I'm pretty active on there. If somebody has questions for me, I'm, I'm pretty good at responding and answering people. Uh, I, I, I actually enjoy it. Uh, something I look forward to, but the education piece, I'm just trying to build that out right now. I've got some good stuff that, uh, that we're building, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much it, you know?
0: i love it man and we always end the show with uh those of you got to this far um you know go in go into itunes leave us a five-star review talk about some of the takeaways that you learned here from matt and matt i'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you you know we normally pick a winner once a week that that left the review for this particular show would you be willing to donate you know half an hour call to one of those people they come
1: in absolutely yep 100%. 100%. Yep. So
0: so we'll do that in-house. If you guys uh, leave us a review and uh, you know, plug, plug this show, plug, plug with whatever you learned uh, out of this show, will be amazing. And uh, we'll pick a random winner uh, in about uh, two weeks after this episode releases and we'll, we'll get you hooked up with a, with a consultant uh, coaching call with uh, Matt Larson himself. So Matt, I appreciate that. you being on the, on the show, man. Thank you so much.
1: It was, it was great talking to you. Thanks, Joe. Had a, had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you, brother.